0: Section twenty two of Pamela or Virtue Rewarded. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Pamela or Virtue Rewarded by Samuel Richardson. Section twenty two. Saturday. I arose early in the morning, but found my father was up before me and was gone to walk in the garden. I went to him and with what delight with what thankfulness did we go over every scene of it that had before been so dreadful to me the fish-pond the back door and every place oh what reason had we for thankfulness and gratitude about seven o'clock my good master joined us in his morning gown and slippers and looking a little heavy i said sir i fear you had not good rest last night that is your fault pamela said he after i went from you i must needs look into your papers and could not leave them till i had read them through and so twas three o'clock before i went to sleep i wish sir said i you had had better entertainment the worst part of it said he was what i had brought upon myself and you have not spared me sir said i he interrupting me said well i forgive you you had too much reason for it, but I find plainly enough that if you had got away, you would soon have been William's wife, and I can't see how it could well have been otherwise. Indeed, sir, said I, I had no notion of it or of being anybody's. I believe so, said he, but it must have come as a thing, of course, and I see your father was for it, sir, said he. I little thought. Of the honour your goodness would confer upon her, and I thought that would be a match above what we could do for her a great deal. But when I found she was not for it, I resolved not to urge her, but leave all to her own prudence. I see, said he, all was sincere, honest, and open, and I speak of it, if it had been done, as a thing that could hardly well be avoided, and I am quite satisfied but said he i must observe as i have a hundred times with admiration what a prodigious memory and easy and happy manner of narration this excellent girl has and though she is full of her pretty tricks and artifices to escape the snares i had laid for her yet all is innocent lovely and uniformly beautiful you are exceedingly happy in a daughter and i hope i shall be so in a wife or said my father may she not have that honour i fear it not said he and i hope i shall deserve it of her but pamela said my master i am sorry to find in some parts of your journal that mrs jukes carried her orders a little too far and i the more take notice of it because you have not complained to me of her behaviour as she might have expected for some parts of it though a good deal was occasioned by my strict orders but she had the insolence to strike my girl i find sir said i i was a little provoking i believe but as we forgave one another i was the less entitled to complain of her well said he you are very good but if you have any particular resentment i will indulge it so far as that she shall hereafter have nothing to do where you are sir said i you are so kind that i ought to forgive everybody and when i see that my happiness is brought about by the very means that i thought then my greatest grievance i ought to bless those means and forgive all that was disagreeable to me at the same time for the great good that hath issued from it that said he and kissed me is sweetly considered and it shall be my part to make you amends for what you have suffered that you may still think lighter of the one, and have cause to rejoice in the other. My dear father's heart was full, and he said with his hands folded and lifted up, Pray sir, let me go, let me go to my dear wife, and tell her all these blessed things, while my heart holds, for it is ready to burst with joy. Good man, said my master, I hope to hear this honest heart of yours speaking at your lips. I enjoin you, Pamela, to continue your relation as you have opportunity. And though your father be here, write to your mother that this wondrous story be perfect, and we, your friends, may read and admire you more and more. Aye, pray, pray do, my child, said my father, and this is the reason that I write on, my dear mother, when I thought not to do it, because my father could tell you all that passed while he was here my master took notice of my psalm and was pleased to commend it and said that i had very charitably turned the last verses which in the original were full of heavy curses to a wish that showed i was not of an implacable disposition though my then usage might have excused it if i had but said he i think you shall sing it to me to-morrow after we have breakfasted added he If you have no objection pamela we'll take an airing together and it shall be in the coach because we'll have your father's company he would have excused himself but my master would have it so but he was much ashamed because of the meanness of his appearance my master would make us both breakfast with him on chocolate and he said i would have you pamela begin to dress as you used to do for now, at least, you may call your two other bundles your own, and if you want anything against the approaching occasion, private as I design it, I'll send to Lincoln for it by a special messenger. I said my good lady's bounty and his own had set me much above my degree, and I had very good things of all sorts, and I did not desire any other because I would not excite the censure of the ladies. That would be a different thing, he was pleased to say, when he publicly owned his nuptials, after we came to the other house. But at present, if I was satisfied, he would not make words with me. I hope, Mr. Andrews, said he to my father, you'll not leave us till you see the affair over, and then you'll be sure I mean honorably. And besides, Pamela will be induced to set the day sooner. Oh, sir, said he i bless god i have no reason to doubt your meaning honourably and i hope you will excuse me if i set out on monday morning very early to my dear wife and make her as happy as i am why pamela says my good master may it not be performed on tuesday and then your father maybe will stay i should have been glad to have had it to-morrow added he but i have sent Monsieur Colbrand for a license that you may have no scruple unanswered and he can not very well be back before to-morrow night or monday morning this was most agreeable news i said sir i know my dear father will want to be at home and as you was so good to give me a fortnight from last thursday i should be glad you would be pleased to indulge me still to some day in the second seven well said he i will not be too urgent but the sooner you fix the better mr andrews we must leave something to these Jephtha's daughters in these cases he was pleased to say i suppose the little bashful folly which in the happiest circumstances may give a kind of regret to quit the maiden state and an awkwardness at the entrance into a new one is a reason with pamela and so she shall name her day sir said he you are all goodness I went up soon after, and new dressed myself, taking possession in a happy moment, I hope, of my two bundles, as my good master was pleased to call them, alluding to my former division of those good things my lady and himself bestowed upon me, and so put on fine linen, silk shoes and fine white cotton stockings, a fine quilted coat, a delicate green mantilla, silk gown and coat, a French necklace and a laced cambric handkerchief with clean gloves, and taking my fan in my hand, I, like a little proud hussy, looked in the glass and thought myself a gentlewoman once more, but I forgot not to return due thanks, for being able to put on this dress with so much comfort. Mrs. Jukes would help to dress me, and complimented me highly, saying, among other things, that now I looked like a lady indeed, and as she said, The little chapel was ready, and divine service would be read in it to-morrow. She wished the happy knot might then be tied. Said she, Have you not seen the chapel, madam, since it has been cleaned out? No, said I. But are we to have service in it to-morrow, do you say? I am glad of that, for I have been a sad heathen lately, sore against my will. But who is to officiate? Somebody replied she mr peters will send you tell me very good news said i mrs jukes i hope it will never be a lumber-room again i said she i can tell you more good news for the two misses darnford and lady jones are to be here at the opening of it and will stay and dine with you my master said i has not told me that you must alter your style madam said she it must not be master now sure Oh, returned I, this is a language I shall never forget. He shall always be my master, and I shall think myself more and more his servant. My poor father did not know I went up to dress myself, and he said his heart misgave him when he saw me first for fear I was made a fool of and that here was some fine lady that was to be my master's true wife. And he stood in admiration and said, Oh, my dear child how well will you become your happy condition why you look like a lady already i hope my dear father said i and boldly kissed him i shall always be your dutiful daughter whatever my condition be my master sent me word he was ready and when he saw me said dressed as you will pamela you are a charming girl and so handed me to the coach and would make my father and me sit both on the fore side and sat backwards over against me and bid the coachman drive to the meadow that is where he once met mr williams the conversation was most agreeable to me and to my dear father as we went and he more and more exceeded in goodness and generosity and while i was gone up to dress he had presented my father with twenty guineas desiring him to buy himself and my mother such apparel as they should think proper and lay it all out But I knew not this till after we came home, my father having had no opportunity to tell me of it. He was pleased to inform me of the chapel being got in tolerable order, and said it looked very well, and against he came down next it should be all new whitewashed and painted and lined, and a new pulpit cloth, cushion, desk, etc., and that it should always be kept in order for the future. He told me the two Misses Darnford and Lady Jones would dine with him on Sunday. And with their servants and mine, said he, we shall make a tolerable congregation. And added he, Have I not well contrived to show you that the chapel is really a little house of God, and has been consecrated, before we solemnize our nuptials in it? Oh, sir, replied I, your goodness to me is inexpressible. Mr. Peters, said he, Offered to come and officiate in it, but would not stay to dine with me because he has company at his own house, and so I intend that divine service shall be performed in it by one to whom I shall make some yearly allowance as a sort of chaplain. You look serious, Pamela, added he. I know you think of your friend Williams, indeed, sir, said I. If you won't be angry, I did, poor man. I am sorry I have been the cause of his disobliging you. When we came to the meadow, where the gentry have their walk sometimes, the coach stopped and my master alighted, and led me to the brookside, and it is a very pretty summer walk. He asked my father if he chose to walk out, or go on in the coach to the farther end. He poor man chose to go on in the coach, for fear, he said, any gentry should be walking there and he told me he was most of the way upon his knees in the coach thanking god for his gracious mercies and goodness and begging a blessing upon my good master and me i was quite astonished when we came into the shady walk to see mr williams there see there said my master "There's poor williams taking his solitary walk again with his book and it seems it was so contrived for mr peters had been as i since find desired to tell him to be in that walk at such an hour in the morning so old acquaintance said my master again have i met you in this place what book are you now reading he said it was Boileau's *Lutran*." said my master you see i have brought with me my little fugitive that would have been while you are perfecting yourself in french i am trying to learn english and hope soon to be master of it. Mine, sir, said he, is a very beautiful piece of French, but your English has no equal. You are very polite, Mr. Williams, said my master, and he that does not think as you do deserves no share in her. Why, Pamela, added he, very generously, why so strange? Where you have once been so familiar, I do assure you both, that i mean not by this interview to insult mr williams or confound you then i said mr williams i am very glad to see you well and though the generous favour of my good master has happily changed the scene since you and i last saw one another i am nevertheless very glad of an opportunity to acknowledge with gratitude your good intentions not so much to serve me as me but as a person that then had great reason to believe herself in distress. And I hope, sir, added I, to my master, your goodness will permit me to say this. You, Pamela, said he, may make what acknowledgments you please to Mr. Williams' good intentions, and I would have you speak as you think, but I do not apprehend myself to be quite so much obliged to those intentions. Sir, said Mr. Williams, I beg leave to say, I knew well that, by education, you was no libertine, nor had I reason to think you so by inclination. And when you came to reflect, I hoped you would not be displeased with me, and this was no small motive to me, at first, to do as I did. Ay, but Mr. Williams, said my master, could you think I should have had reason to thank you? If loving one person above all her sex, you had robbed me of her, and married her yourself. And then, said he, you are to consider that she was an old acquaintance of mine and a quite new one to you that i had sent her down to my own house for better securing her and that you who had access to my house could not effect your purpose without being guilty in some sort of a breach of the laws of hospitality and friendship as to my designs upon her i own they had not the best appearance But still I was not answerable to Mr. Williams for those. Much less could you be excused to invade a property so very dear to me, and to endeavour to gain an interest in her affections, when you could not be certain that matters would not turn out as they have actually done. I own, said he, that some parts of my conduct seem exceptionable as you state it. But sir, I am but a young man. I meant no harm i had no interest i am sure to incur your displeasure and when you think of everything and the inimitable graces of person and perfections of mind that adorn this excellent lady so he called me you will perhaps find your generosity allow something as an extenuation of a fault which your anger would not permit as an excuse i have done said my master nor did i meet you here to be angry with you pamela knew not that she should see you and now you are both present i would ask you mr williams if now you know my honourable designs towards this good girl you can really be almost i will not say quite as well pleased with the friendship of my wife as you could be with the favour of mrs andrews sir said he i will answer you truly i think i could have preferred with her any condition that could have befallen me, had I considered only myself. But sir, I was very far from having any encouragement to expect her favor, and I had much more reason to believe that, if she could have hoped for your goodness, her heart would have been too much pre-engaged to think of anybody else. And give me leave further to say, sir, that though I tell you sincerely my thoughts, were I only to consider myself yet when i consider her good and her merit i should be highly ungenerous were it put to my choice if i could not wish her in a condition so much superior to what i could raise her to and so very answerable to her merit pamela said my master you are obliged to mr williams and ought to thank him he has distinguished well but as for me who had like to have lost you by his means I am glad the matter was not left to his choice. Mr. Williams, added he, I give you Pamela's hand, because I know it will be pleasing to her, in token of her friendship and esteem for you, and I give you mine, that I will not be your enemy. But yet I must say that I think I owe this proper manner of your thinking more to your disappointment than to the generosity you talk of mr williams kissed my hand as my master gave it him and my master said sir you will go home and dine with me and i will show you my little chapel and do you pamela look upon yourself at liberty to number mr williams in the list of your friends how generous how noble was this mr williams and so had i had tears of pleasure in his eyes i was silent but mr williams said sir i shall be taught by your generosity to think myself inexcusably wrong in every step i took that could give you offence and my future life shall show my respectful gratitude we walked on till we came to the coach where was my dear father pamela said my master tell mr williams who that good man is oh mr williams said i it is my dear father and my master was pleased to say one of the honestest men in England. Pamela owes everything that she is to be, as well as her being, to him, for I think she would not have brought me to this, nor made so great resistance, but for the good lessons and religious education she had imbibed from him. Mr. William said, taking father's hand, you see, good Mr. Andrews, with inexpressible pleasure no doubt, the fruits of your pious care, and now are in a way with your beloved daughter to reap the happy effects of it. I am overcome, said my dear father, with his honour's goodness, but I can only say I bless God and bless him. Mr. Williams and I being nearer the coach than my master, and he offering to draw back to give way to him he kindly said pray mr williams oblige pamela with your hand and step in yourself he bowed and took my hand and my master made him step in and sit next me all that ever he could do and set himself over against him next my father who sat against me and he said mr andrews i told you yesterday that the divine you saw was not mr williams i now tell you this gentleman is and though I have been telling him I think not myself obliged to his intentions yet I will own that pamela and you are, and though I won't promise to love him, I would have you, sir, said Mr. Williams, you have a way of overcoming that hardly all my reading affords an instance of, and it is the more noble as it is on this side, as I presume, the happy ceremony which, great as your fortune is, will lay you under an obligation to so much virtue and beauty, when the lady becomes yours, for you will then have a treasure that princes might envy you, said my generous master, God bless him. Mr. Williams, it is impossible that you and I should long live at variance, when our sentiments agree so well together on subjects the most material. I was quite confounded, and my master, seeing it, took my hand and said look up my good girl and collect yourself don't injure mr williams and me so much as to think we are capping compliments as we used to do verses at school i dare answer for us both that we say not a syllable we don't think Oh, sir said i how unequal am i to all this goodness every moment that passes adds to the weight of the obligations you oppress me with think not too much of that said he most generously mr Williams' compliments to you have great advantage of mine for though equally sincere i have a great deal to say and to do to compensate the sufferings i have made you undergo and at last must sit down dissatisfied because those will never be balanced by all i can do for you he saw my dear father quite unable to support these affecting instances of his goodness and he let go my hand and took his and said seeing his tears i wonder not my dear Pamela's father that your honest heart springs thus to your eyes to see all her trials at an end i will not pretend to say that i had formerly either power or will to act thus but since i began to resolve on the change you see i have reaped so much pleasure in it that my own interest will keep me steady till within these few days i knew not what it was to be happy poor mr williams with tears of joy in his eyes said how happily sir have you been touched by the divine grace before you have been hurried into the commission of sins that the deepest penitence could hardly have atoned for god has enabled you to stop short of the evil and you have nothing to do but to rejoice in the good which now will be doubly so because you can receive it without the least inward reproach you do well said he to remind me that i owe all this to the grace of god i bless him for it and i thank this good man for his excellent lessons to his daughter i thank her for following them and i hope from her good example and your friendship mr williams in time to be half as good as my tutoress and that said he i believe you will own will make me without disparagement to any man the best fox-hunter in england mr williams was going to speak and he said you put on so grave a look mr williams that i believe what i have said with you practical good folks is liable to exception but i see we are become quite grave and we must not be too serious neither what a happy creature my dear mother is your pamela oh may my thankful heart and the good use i may be enabled to make of the blessings before me be a means to continue this delightful prospect to a long date for the sake of the dear good gentleman who thus becomes the happy instrument in the hand of providence to bless all he smiles upon To be sure I shall never enough acknowledge the value he is pleased to express for my unworthiness, in that he has prevented my wishes, and unasked sought the occasion of being reconciled to a good man, who for my sake had incurred his displeasure, and whose name he could not, a few days before, permit to pass through my lips, but see the wonderful ways of providence the very things that i most dreaded his seeing or knowing the contents of my papers have as i hope satisfied all his scruples and been a means to promote my happiness henceforth let not us poor short-sighted mortals pretend to rely on our own wisdom or vainly think that we are absolutely to direct for ourselves i have abundant reason i am sure to say that when i was most disappointed i was nearer my happiness for had i made my escape which was so often my chief point in view and what i had placed my heart upon i had escaped the blessings now before me and fallen perhaps headlong into the miseries i would have avoided and yet after all it was necessary i should take the steps i did to bring on this wonderful turn oh the unsearchable wisdom of god and how much ought i to adore the divine goodness and humble myself who am made a poor instrument as i hope not only to magnify his graciousness to this fine gentleman and myself but also to dispense benefits to others which god of his mercy grant in the agreeable manner i have mentioned did we pass the time in our second happy tour and i thought mrs jukes would have sunk into the ground when she saw mr williams brought in the coach with us and treated so kindly we dined together in a most pleasant easy and frank manner and i found i need not from my master's generosity to be under any restraint as to my conduct to this good clergyman for he so often as he fancied i was reserved moved me to be free with him and to him and several times called upon me to help my father and mr williams and seemed to take great delight in seeing me carve as indeed he does in everything i do after dinner we went and looked into the chapel which is a very pretty one and very decent and when finished as he designs it against his next coming down will be a very pretty place my heart my dear mother when i first set my foot in it Throbbed a good deal with awful joy at the thoughts of the solemnity which i hope will in a few days be performed here and when i came up towards the little pretty altar-piece while they were looking at a communion picture and saying it was prettily done i gently stepped into a corner out of sight and poured out my soul to god on my knees in supplication and thankfulness that after having been so long absent from divine service, the first time I entered into a house dedicated to his honour should be with such blessed prospects before me, and begging of God to continue me humble and to make me not unworthy of his mercies, and that he would be pleased to bless the next author of my happiness, my good master. I heard my master say, Where's Pamela? and so i broke off sooner than i would and went up to him he said mr williams i hope i have not so offended you by my conduct past for really it is what i ought to be ashamed of as that you will refuse to officiate and to give us your instructions here to-morrow mr peters was so kind for the first time to offer it but i knew it would be inconvenient for him and besides i was willing to make this request to you an introduction to our reconciliation sir said he most willingly and most gratefully will i obey you though if you expect a discourse i am wholly unprepared for the occasion i would not have it replied he pointed to any particular occasion but if you have one upon the text there is more joy in heaven over one sinner that repenteth than over ninety-nine just persons that need no repentance. And if it makes me not such a sad fellow as to be pointed at by mine and the lady's servants, we shall have here. I shall be well content. Tis a general subject, added he, makes me speak of that. But any one you please will do, for you cannot make a bad choice, I am sure. Sir, said he, I have one upon that text but i am ready to think that a thanksgiving one which i made on a great mercy to myself if i may be permitted to make my own acknowledgments of your favour the subject of a discourse will be suitable to my grateful sentiments it is on the text now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace for mine eyes have seen thy salvation that text said i will be a very suitable one for me not so pamela said my master because I don't let you depart in peace, but I hope you will stay here with content. Oh, but sir, said I, I have seen God's salvation, I am sure. Added I, if anybody ever had reason, I have to say with the blessed virgin, My soul doth magnify the Lord, for he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden and exalted one of low degree. Said my good father, I am sure if there were time for it the book of ruth would afford a fine subject for the honour done my dear child why good mr andrews said my master should you say so i know that story and mr williams will confirm what i say that my good girl here will confer at least as much honour as she will receive sir said i you are inexpressibly generous but i shall never think so why my pamela said he that's another thing It will be best for me to think you will, and it will be kind in you to think you shan't. And then we shall always have an excellent rule to regulate our conduct by to one another. Was not this finely, nobly, wisely said, my dear mother? Oh, what a blessed thing it is to be matched to a man of sense and generosity! How edifying! How! But what shall I say? I am at a loss for words. Mr. Williams said, when we came out, of the little chapel, he would go home and look over his discourses, for one for the next day. My master said, I have one thing to say before you go. When my jealousy, on account of this good girl, put me upon such a vindictive conduct to you, you know I took a bond for the money I had caused you to be troubled for. I really am ashamed of the matter, because I never intended when I presented it to you. To have it again, you may be sure. But I knew not what might happen between you and her, nor how far matters might have gone between you, and so I was willing to have that in awe over you. And I think it is no extraordinary present therefore to give you up your bond again cancelled. And so he took it from his pocket and gave it him. I think, added he, all the charges attending it and the trouble you had were defrayed by my attorney. I ordered that they should. They were, sir, said he, and ten thousand thanks to you for this goodness, and the kind manner in which you do it. If you will go, Mr. William, said he, shall my chariot carry you home? No, sir, answered he. I thank you. My time will be so well employed all the way in thinking of your favours that I choose to meditate upon them as I walk home my dear father was a little uneasy about his habit for appearing at chapel next day because of mrs darnford and the servants for fear poor man he should disgrace my master and he told me when he was mentioning this of my master's kind present of twenty guineas for clothes for you both which made my heart truly joyful but oh to be sure i can never deserve the hundredth part of his goodness it is almost a hard thing to be under the weight of such deep obligations on one side and such a sense of one's own unworthiness on the other. Oh what a godlike power is that of doing good. I envy the rich and the great for nothing else. My master coming to us just then I said, "Oh sir, will your bounty know no limits? My dear father has told me what you have given him." "A trifle, Pamela," said he a little earnest only of my kindness. Say no more of it. But did I not hear the good man expressing some sort of concern, for somewhat? Hide nothing from me, Pamela. Only, sir, said I, he knew not how to absent himself from divine service, and yet is afraid of disgracing you by appearing. Fie, Mr. Andrews, said he, I thought you knew that the outward appearance was nothing. I wish I had as good a habit inwardly as you have but i'll tell you pamela your father is not so much thinner than i am nor much shorter he and i will walk up together to my wardrobe though it is not so well stored here as in bedfordshire and so said he pleasantly don't you pretend to come near us till i call for you for you must not yet see how men dress and undress themselves oh sir said my father i beg to be excused i am sorry you were told so am not i said my master pray come along with me he carried him upstairs and showed him several suits and would have had him take his choice my poor father was quite confounded for my master saw not any he thought too good and my father none that he thought bad enough and my good master at last he fixed his eye upon a fine drab which he thought looked the plainest would help him to try the coat and waistcoat on himself, and indeed one would not have thought it, because my master is taller and rather plumper, as I thought, but as I saw afterwards they fitted him very well, and being plain and lined with the same colour and made for travelling in a coach, pleased my poor father much. He gave him the whole suit, and calling up Mrs. Jukes, said, Let these clothes be well aired against tomorrow morning. Mr. Andrews brought only with him his common apparel, not thinking to stay Sunday with us. And pray, see for some of my stockings, and whether any of my shoes will fit him, and see also for some of my linen, for we have put the good man quite out of his course by keeping him Sunday over. He was then pleased to give him the silver buckles out of his own shoes. So, my good mother, you must expect to see my dear father a great bow wig said my master he wants none for his own venerable white locks are better than all the perukes in england but i am sure i have hats enough somewhere i'll take care of everything sir said mrs jukes and my poor father when he came to me could not refrain tears i know not how said he to comport myself under these great favours oh my child it is all owing to the divine goodness And your virtue. End of section twenty two.